0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to the Relay Bitcoin podcast. Today, I'm really, really glad uh, that we have Andy here as a guest, virtually, obviously. I'm really uh, excited that she took the time today out of her busy and crazy schedule, I guess, as a venture capitalist. You're probably like always on, and I know, Andy, you're flying around between uh, different continents all the time. Recently, just visited your uh, home in uh, Australia and now I think you're back to Austin, probably? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, I'm home in Austin, finally.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> finally. So, thank you. Um, uh, please let quickly let the people know uh, who you are and what you're doing and maybe the connection between your company that you're working with and my company that I'm working with.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm a founding partner with Eagle Death Capital, where Bitcoin, we're, we're a venture capital fund that invests in companies in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So any company that's building software in and around Bitcoin. Um, we founded the fund early last year. We have three partners, myself, Jeff Booth, who some of your listeners might be familiar with. I think you've had him on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. And Nico Lechuga. And then we have three advisors who are Preston Pish. Lynn Alden, and also Pablo Fernandez. Um, So an amazing team. I'm very lucky to get to work with them. Um, We invested in Relay uh, in your latest round. So we led the latest round, which is really, really exciting. Um, So, and then I've joined your board as well. Um, So that's the connection with Switzerland and with, with, well, with Relay. Um, I have some personal connections with Switzerland as well, which is really nice. So my mum is German, so I do speak a little bit of German, not that much anymore. I didn't grow up speaking it. Um, but it's kind of cool to be kind of hearing and seeing German again through Relay. Um, and then my mum's godfather actually lives just outside of Zurich. so um, And I had some kind of interesting family in, in Switzerland as well. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool to be involved in, in Relay and involved in this, this company and, and in Europe as well.
0: Thank you. And we're still due to uh, meet in person. Uh, so... yes. Even though I really uh, have have some relations and, and and a big passion for both countries, uh, Australia and the U.S., I've lived in both uh, for a short time. But still, like I've uh, really I have a lot a lot of love for these countries and you, obviously, for um, for Switzerland. But still, we didn't get to meet. But uh, we're overdue. Hopefully, soon, over soon the summer, make it. Yeah, I'll make yeah, it. Just yeah, summer. Summer. I'm sure summer in Gstad is like the best. It's so nice. Really there. nice. It's yes. good to I like the winter is obviously great for skiing, but summer, which uh, most Swiss people, they then kind of dismiss start in summer, mm. but it's actually super nice to, you know, um, hike for hiking or just for, you know, a lot of flying hobby things like base jumping or whatever you want to do. But even just for hanging out, having a coffee, have good foods, good, really traditional Swiss food start is super nice.
1: Yeah, I have a, so I have a close so, friend who lives in Stadt and last year I visited her and it's just so beautiful when the rest of Switzerland, when the rest of Europe and the US is so hot in summer and being up in the mountains. is just really nice. She took me for um, we had a very traditional fondue, like looking out over the mountain, oh, nice. um, just like the cheese fondue was amazing. So.
0: It's the best. Uh, it's really like in the upper mountains in the Bern area. Where I, I actually live in the Canton of Bern as well, and Gstad is also still uh, part of this Canton. That's where you get there, and Fribourg, uh, you get the best uh, uh, fondue in the in, in town. So you you did well. You did you had the the right experience there. So tell me a bit about you know, your background. You came from mainly like you did a lot, obviously, but professionally, mainly you were with Goldman Sachs before, which I find super interesting because I know that it's like after uni, almost everyone wants to get into one of these firms like Goldman Sachs mainly, and maybe some other big investment banks and some other big uh, management consulting firms, but like Goldman Sachs is probably on the number one of all the elite business uh, schools, right? Um, so it must be super hard to get in like first question how did you manage to, to get in there and then second how was, um, the, how was your experience like what did you learn was it really like that like great experience that you would uh, recommend to business students or would you like never do it again?
1: It's a, it's a really good question. Um, so I applied for an internship at Goldman Sachs when I was in university so in my second last year um I yeah so it was, it's quite they have like an internship program that they do I was studying so I was in the business school at the University of New South Wales in Sydney um but I was studying actuarial science um so very like numbers maths heavy um and I'm actually just going to take my headset out I'm getting a bit of feedback give me one sec
0: okay sure Now I can't hear you anymore. No. Maybe I go down to the mic button. Maybe you need to switch mic. Ah, or or speakers, either or. Maybe you need to get out and come in again. No worries, we can edit this later.
1: Sorry about that. Okay. So, um I applied for Oh, it's weird I'm getting feedback. Okay. <laughs> I'll just is it is it. better? It's not really, but it's fine. I'll just deal with it. Um so I applied for my internship out of university, and there was sort of like a program to to go into that internship. Um, so I just went through an interview process, basically at a bunch of different investment banks in Sydney, um, and then I kind of had a couple of offers from different, um, from a few different ones, and I chose Goldman. Um, so I did an internship there. Um, that was basically between my third and fourth years of university. Um, and then basically from that internship, they give you, they decide whether to give you an offer or not for um, starting as a graduate. Um, so sort of a pretty basic standard path in. Um, so they gave me an offer. I started work then um, right out of school in m um, and Then, yeah. So it, it's like really challenging, honestly. Um, I learned so much. There's like the positives and negatives of going into banking at Goldman. The positives are, you get to work on like all of the most interesting, biggest deals. You learn so much Mm -hmm. so quickly learn from like really, really smart people. My first team had a lot of changes that happened when I first moved into it. So, um, pretty soon, basically after a year, I moved into the leverage finance team. So that was within the financing group in, in Sydney as well. Um, I, I wanted to change and that's where I really started to learn a lot. I worked with really smart people. So we were basically financing companies like private equity funds who were doing leveraged buyouts of companies in Australia. Um, so that was really interesting. You get to really dig into um, companies, business models. Um, it's you, you do this like really, really deep dive. It's a really, really diligent process because we would be basically put, be putting our capital on the line so we would underwrite it. So say, um, a leverage, say a private equity company wants to do a big LBO in Australia and needs a billion dollars of financing. We would basically underwrite that billion dollars um, and then syndicate it. So it was this really like, that was my first, mm-hmm. um, I guess, introduction into the sort of principle investing, like investing capital on behalf of like your entity and the diligence and the process um, and the way of thinking that goes behind that. Um, and then also, yeah, you, the nice thing about sitting in Australia was, um, we had one team that was doing all of the industries. So, and then also we did structured finance. We did kind of a wider range of different things out of my team. And that was really nice because I got to just learn so many different things in somewhere like the U S you would have a specific like leverage finance for industrials, for instance, um, leverage finance Mm -hmm. for like, uh, different, like different. And so you're much more specialized earlier. So I. Just learned so much, but it was crazy. You work crazy hours. Um, like mm-hmm. it was very deal based. So a private equity company it was always like, they'd come to you and they were like, "We want to do this deal in two weeks. Thank you." And you're like, "Well, it would have been nice
0: if you would okay, give us a bit more notice." More for the next two you weeks.
1: basically cancel <laughs> everything for two weeks, work around the clock. Also living in Sydney and working for an American bank because a lot of our um, capital committee a lot of the partners if we were syndicating a deal in the us our capital markets people would be in the us so always up like Mm. crazy hours of the night having calls um so it was amazing and also very challenging but from there i then um worked on a transaction with a team out of i guess they're, they're based between london new york and hong kong i was working with a partner um, from Hong Kong on this really, really interesting trade, structured credit trade that we put together for an Australian company. Um, and they then asked me to come and move across, um, to sit with them. Um, and they had teams and they, it was basically one team across New York, London, Hong Kong, and I wanted to move to New York. So, um, I asked to move to the New York, um, part of the team. Um, and, yeah so then from in new york i moved from the investment banking division which is where you have clients and you have like that's where you kind of do the crazy hours to sit on the trading floor um again in a principal investing role so it's sort of a very very special team um inside goldman sachs it was this very kind of interesting crazy fun um amazing team that i got to work in in new york um so sitting on the trading floor
0: but of, of right. goldman sachs like it was on wall right. street like on the fucking yep. tower the Goldman Sachs tower wow yeah so the
1: goldman sachs tower it's right across from the world trade center um right on the river so it's really really nice and i was sitting on the trading floor so if you picture a trading floor it's not like people it's not like the trading floor down at the stock exchange it's more um so it's like a i think there was 900 people on my floor it's just this huge it's like the size of a football field um just rows and rows and rows of deaths and everyone has like four five screens or like giant screens Probably um sure. and then there's just like different teams kind of scattered throughout that floor um there's you know interest rate trading there's bonds there's high yield there's everything, you can, everything you can imagine commodities there's been... so there's two there's floors at goldman that. there's the equities trading floor which is level four and then i was on the fixed income currency and commodities trading floor which is level five um, but we weren't
0: flow trading, was... sorry, uh-huh. sorry, sorry. We have a, a very small delay probably. Go on. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I was just going to say, we i like, I wasn't flow trading. So I didn't have like, I wasn't like, you know, on the phone, I'm bidding, bidding this for this. Um, and most mm-hmm. of the trading now happens via Bloomberg. It's not open outcry, like it's not people yelling, but then once in a while when the market would blow up, then everyone gets up and yells. And there's just always something crazy happening on the trading floor. <laughs> like between having 900 people like people would do silly things or like do pranks on each other like there was just always something ridiculous going on so i really liked that
0: um how close is it to a a movie like wolf of wall street kind of thing i know this was in the 80s and i know it's probably a bit exaggerated but not much actually because i was at an event of jason belford like a couple of years ago where he like gave, he gave a talk and he gave the behind the scenes of it. And he said, actually, some things are a bit exaggerated. Some things are like in the, in the movie, it was pictured less crazy than it actually was. And he said like, we, it, it was pretty much accurate, but we took more drugs.
1: <laughs> that was definitely not the Goldman It might vary between banks. So Goldman Sachs was like very boring compared to, it was like nothing. Like what you see, everyone's very boring. Everyone's very professional. Um, I certainly, maybe there is some like crazy partying that happens with the salespeople, but I was a trader, Um, so no, I just go to work every day, do my work, <laughs> you know, very boring. None of this, like, <laughs> well, also it was post crisis. So I think everything changed a lot after 2008, the whole kind of, uh, of it just,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, everything North became, North a... yeah, airport. yeah. Hey, here's Rafael from Relay. Ich möchte euch kurz über Relay Private erzählen. Relay Private ist unser exklusiver Service für Privatkonten, Family Officers sowie kleine und mittlere Unternehmen, die große Mengen Bitcoin kaufen oder verkaufen möchten. Als Kunde von Relay Private hast du ein ganzes Team, das sich auf deine Bedürfnisse konzentriert. Ein engagierter Kundenbetreuer begleitet dich bei jedem Schritt auf deinem Weg. Du bekommst außerdem einen persönlichen Rund-um-die-Uhr-Support und hast Zugang zu exklusiven Berichten und Brancheneinblicken, die von Relay erstellt werden. Wenn das für dich oder jemanden, den du kennst, interessant ist, klicke auf den Link in der Beschreibung oder gehe auf relay.app/private.
1: So, it was not really anything like Wall Street at all,
0: yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. And what <laughs> took you to what? It was definitely. Uh, it sounds very fun. What What brought you to venture capital and from there? I mean, it's it, it's obviously the perfect basis uh, to move into venture capital. But why didn't you do this move earlier? Why didn't you? Wh- why did you do it? Um, what 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 brought you there? And also, was like how was the connection to to Bitcoin? Like how, how did you get into such a? Because you could you could have joined maybe Sequoia or whatever, like a very general, um, a big tech VC where you could work on different verticals, very generalistic, like all rounder stuff. But you decided to join a small new very specialized in bitcoin venture fund how how did that come about
1: yeah so i i guess i never it wasn't like an intention necessarily to work in venture when i left goldman um i didn't really want to work in finance at all and when i left goldman i didn't really think i would come back to finance um i was always very passionate about emerging markets about development um development financing maybe i was interested in but really I had always had this passion for, I guess, looking at the world and recognizing that, particularly in emerging markets, there's so many problems with governance, with the whole system. And I had always seen that the whole system was like broken, that something was wrong, and that's what I was really interested in fixing. And all of those problems were very obvious in developing countries, particularly in Africa, um, where I had traveled and I had studied, um, and. Uh, you know seeing issues of governance of corruption um, leading to kind of ultimately a lot of civil conflict and just all of this unnecessary human suffering i guess that's what really mm-hmm. i saw um and so when i left goldman i i mean i never really intended to work at goldman for that long it kind of just happened um but i'm really grateful for it i love like i learned so much from it i worked with amazing people um so but i left really like on sabbatical, like figuring out what I was going to do next and really thinking I would work in this more like development area. Um, And then sort of like things sort of just took a turn. I, I had time out. I was able that I had the finances that, you know, I could really just switch off from the world um, for quite a long time and explore so many different places, ideas. I met so many interesting people. Um, and I guess it was sort of like, I mean, there's more detail, but that sort of like journey that took me then into Bitcoin and into um, getting to know Nico and Jeff and then deciding to form the fund. So it's been really interesting. Um, yes, it's a small fund, but because I'm a partner of it, it's, it's amazing to be able to like, like the three of us basically got together and decided to build it. So building something that's ours as opposed to kind of working for someone. I mean, you as an entrepreneur know this as well. It's like. It's really challenging, but it's so rewarding and amazing to like really create Mm -hmm. something. Um, And then Mm -hmm. in Bitcoin, which is like bringing together so many of my passions, interests and kind of abilities, I guess, um, both in this investing, this financing role, as well as kind of thinking about this global international development. And it's kind of crazy coming at it from the Bitcoin world and realizing that Bitcoin is this kind of new foundational layer that sort of solves at um, a very foundational level some of the issues that I had become really interested and passionate about um, through my studies and through kind of my reading um, so working now for instance with Fetty which is really around supporting democracy um, and democracy activists all around the world through Bitcoin uh, you know working with the Human Rights Foundation um, that to me is just like absolutely incredible and yeah I would not yeah. get to do this and I like Goldman was great but at the end of the day you're like doing big deals you're making money for people that already have lots of money um Mm -hmm. and so just from a values perspective it was just i always felt it was just empty and soulless um like interesting Mm -hmm. and i learned so much and i'm really grateful that i got that time but um now it's like i'm doing i get to do something that i'm really passionate about and Mm -hmm. really believe in and really think is like making a positive impact on the world whereas at like a sequoia i wouldn't have that
0: it would be the same thing right you would again It'd make rich same. people richer uh, yeah. and you would again work 24 7 but not for something that you built but you would build yeah. someone else's vision and you would fill someone else's pocket again
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah i mean financially i could you know whatever but it's i get to i love my job i get to meet amazing entrepreneurs like yourself in bitcoin and just the bitcoin community is incredible um like the people mm. i get to meet I, my job as a venture capitalist you get to meet everyone in the ecosystem anyone you want to talk to we kind of can talk to Um, we get to really see across everything that's going on and it's just like really cool to be to be there and to be at this technology that's really changing the world and to be right at the forefront of that um yeah it's pretty cool
0: have you found out about bitcoin when you took your sabbatical and when you were traveling around, and was it like, um, was it more a problem uh, first and then solution kind of discovery?
1: So I first came across crypto, um, I've told this story a lot of times now, but in 2018, and I ended up at like Tech Open Air and this like Crypto Castle party in France, with like all of these Ethereum developers (laughs) and crypto people, and I was like, what the fuck? Um, no, it was amazing. I met really cool people. Um, but a lot of the use, so all of the use cases that they were talking about, um, at that point in time uh, didn't make sense to me. Um, and so I was sort of like, and I didn't, I think, and I get it now. It's, it, it is hard if you're coming from the outside to differentiate between Bitcoin and crypto and to sort of like find your way. Um, because I think from the outside, a lot of it just doesn't make sense. Um, at least to me, it didn't. Um, so. Um, You know, I had friends who got so excited in DeFi summer over staking. They're like, you can make 20% from staking. And I'm like, well, but you're still taking the underlying risk. And they're like, yeah, but you get 20%. I'm like, yeah, but you're just speculating. Like people just, I don't know. I feel like I often just see through bullshit. Well, at least I I did on crypto. Um, So Bitcoin, I came to, um, I guess I sort of like came away and then came back. Um, And it was really Jeff. That helped me to see a lot of the narrative around bitcoin and it was i guess understanding the technology and then because i had this context of seeing the problems already um, that i was interested in and then seeing bitcoin as like this solution to all of those problems whether it's because i think a lot about kind of the nature of humanity and society and civilization and things like how um, this shift towards to having government government debt and inflation creates over consumption creates you know which then leads to the environmental crisis all of these sort of like huge mm-hmm. big things in the world that bitcoin is really this very interesting potential solution for so um i guess i had already come at it from the context of all of the problems and then kind of seeing bitcoin as this potential solution was just like really incredible
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's different levels of the problem with the current fiat based financial system, right? But you seem to have really dug down to the like on the on the society level, on the humanity level. There are big problems that could potentially hopefully uh, could be able to solve by uh, Bitcoin by just making money scarce again, I guess, because the planet is scarce. And so the money also need to be scarce. If the money is just you know in if this if it's just infinite amount uh, infinite amount of uh, amounts of money, then obviously our system will just go on go on go on until there's almost nothing left from the planet, right? It's and yeah. it's super not sustainable. I think we that's the, the the hope and the drive for the Bitcoin community to build something that again is is a, um, a limited like make make money a limited resource again so that we use it for things that make sense and add value to society and is in a balance with the planet and not just finance wars like crazy wars that don't make sense or just basically um you know as as you said to just drive overcomes consumption to like overheating levels that also doesn't make sense um, so it, it's interesting that you really understood the problem at such a deep level, and then you came to the solution, which which was Bitcoin. Um, was it through Jeff? Like, how did you meet Jeff? And was Jeff the guy who finally, like, orange-pilled you at, at the level so that you decided to join uh, a venture fund focused on Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, it was definitely Jeff that, um, you know, orange-pilled. And I still learn... I'm still constantly learning, constantly kind of seeing different aspects of Bitcoin. I'm sure everyone is the same, you know, you think you sort of get it and then it's like something else comes up and or you sort of see something else. Um, so I had become, I had gotten to know Nico through this group of entrepreneurs called Summit. It's mostly based in the U.S. but is global. Um, that was, I had basically between Goldman and um and Ego Death Capital, I had founded a tech company, which was for communities, like a platform for communities. Um, and so through that, I sort of joined this entrepreneur network, and then met Nico through that. And Nico had met Jeff through that a few years earlier. Um, and so we just—it sort of was rather serendipitous, I guess—that um, Nico and mm-hmm. I and Jeff were sort of talking about what to do next, um, really passionate about about. Nico and I have this sort of really shared passion for emerging markets and development. Um, that's really what brought us together. Um, and then started talking to Jeff about Bitcoin, what was going on in Bitcoin, both, you know, all of the macro big picture things like we just spoke about. And then also more specifically, um, the fact that lightning network was coming to scalability was sort of coming to maturity. Um, and there was that enabled this huge range of companies to be built on top of Bitcoin that would actually build out that, that global infrastructure. So if we think about Bitcoin as being the foundation for like a new globalized financial system, um, you need all of this entire ecosystem to sit on top of that to actually enable that for anyone to use Bitcoin um, any day for kind of anything they want to use it for. Um, and those companies are going to require a lot of capital and also support. Um, and so that's sort of the thesis for the fund that we, we came together and built.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating to see from a professional perspective. Like I am in it uh, like full time, full hearted as an entrepreneur, and you are the same. You are just in it like as as deep as it gets, as close as it gets to the development of it um, as as an investor, and and we're just witnessing the, the something that is being built like a the first public financial infrastructure, if you will um and it's only so early so we are witnessing that first uh first hand um that that is being built still within the next decades like it's going to take a long time until it is built Um but then it's going to be used by 8 billion or by then maybe 10 billion people in the world maybe at one point you know interplanetary uh, uh society so we're just really building a super important um foundational technology that will be used by all the people and we will make the world a better place right it's it's really sometimes important to zoom out um to really um understand what what we are doing here it's it's really not just about money and there's a a lot of a lot of people also um tell me that like they they sometimes are um surprised that i'm not in it for the money like at all it's not it's not what motivates me because they they're always like oh you you're into bitcoin you you probably made so much money i'm like I, I i never really think about how much money i made which is not it's not why i'm in it it's like the combination of really having a passion for something meeting all these great people and ha- having one shared vision that you know it's like exactly um what what the world needs what will make it a better place and you can also be super uh diverse you, you need uh, uh business administrative um skills you need legal skills you obviously need tech skills and it's all of that comes together basically it's like the the our whole global village coming together to build something uh better because obviously the fiat back fiat financial system didn't really work uh, especially the last 50 years um, so this is uh, yeah. always fascinating uh, to me, and I can only imagine how it is for someone like you. Who I mean, I mean, I'm working on one venture. You, how, how many ventures did you screen in like the last probably one year that you're? Oh, hundreds. Yeah, several
1: hundred. Yeah, hundreds, right? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> so crazy.
1: And invested in five, so far. Five only. Yeah.
0: So probably a, a less than. Or around about 1% investment rate. Yeah,
1: maybe slightly above that, but, but that's probably about right.
0: Yeah. yeah. How like do that. you select, what's your approach to select founders, founding teams, ideas? Um, and also, on the other hand, what makes you um, sort out all these other ventures? I'm sure they're great ideas, great people working on them as well, it must be also hard to say no, but you, you mainly have to say no 99% of the times. What's your framework be behind that for making these decisions?
1: Yeah, so um, we do an initial screen. Um, we sort of have an initial screen um, that we do of founders. The, the stage that we're investing in, it's a lot about the founder. So we invest in seed and pre-seed stage. Um, so often companies are pre-revenue, it might be just just an idea. Typically we, so there are some funds which will invest in just like a couple of, you know, um, programmers hacking around. We typically won't invest that early. Um, we can be first check-in and for certain entrepreneurs, when it's something really special, we might give them a small amount of money um, first check in but typically we look for companies that have some sort of something built already um so they've really like one of the values on our website and if you go on our website you can see our own values and we assess um entrepreneurs the same way one of them is grit um and we so we like to see that something has been built that typically like if someone just comes to us with an idea it's like okay well how have you validated that um and so we look for companies also that have some degree of traction um and Mm -hmm. so that doesn't have to be users that doesn't have to be um revenue that can be traction like we've got a thousand people who we've interviewed and they all like this is the feedback um it could be we've got a thousand people who are signed up who want to use what we're building and we're in process of building it um we do also on our values have only the best so we're really looking to invest in the the kind of really tier one. So if you go to values um, at the bottom there, you can see our values. Um, and the reason is we invest sort of larger check sizes typically in our companies. Um, and then we're very, very proactive in terms of helping those companies. So we, we take a very, very, um, Hands-on approach Um, and so we have to be very selective so other venture firms might invest smaller amounts of money into a broader range of companies we will invest more like larger check sizes in a smaller range of companies. And what we really want to do is like invest in the entrepreneurs that have these big ideas that are really, really scalable that are really going to move the needle in Bitcoin Um, the value. Mm. Yeah, you just so so that's sort of how we think about it. Um, Does that make sense?
0: That makes absolute sense. And so w- one thing is based on the values to, uh, select the right, um, teams and really yeah. makes a very, a very small amount of bets, but very high conviction bets. Right. That's also what I, I really yeah. like about your approach is that when you are in, you're actually part of the team. Like you, you, uh, you, you think about it day and night, you try to help and yeah. you, you, you provide your, uh, your valuable network as well. Um, you know, like uh, I've met with you, with Nico, with Jeff many times already, even though we're only working together for like three, four months, it feels like a year because we're, you know, really, it's, it's really hands on. Um, so I think that's really the, the key differentiator also between you and other um, uh, funds is that you are so convicted into, onto this Bitcoin and Lightning topic and early stage so you're very focused and then once you you only make a small amount of bet but once you do them you go just you just go full on all in right and that's uh that's i think a, a great differentiator plus then i i'll go to the team here i mean that's also like how how were you able to i mean it's, it's these good advisors that I yeah find so fascinating yeah. How how did you get about uh, the uh, how did you get these advisors to to join and maybe if you can talk about it in in what form are they are they also invested and are, how are they involved and how do you work with them on a uh, uh, almost on a daily basis or on a regular basis
1: Yeah, so um, Lynn Preston and Pablo are all very involved in the fund. They're not kind of just names on a page. Um, I think what they liked, they you know, we really value that they took a bit of a bet on us at the start. Um, And we've really been able to, I guess, prove out to them and in terms of um, delivering on what we promised. So very values aligned to start with. Um, Really, our mission is to support the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem and support entrepreneurs. And I think that was something that resonated with them. Um, And it's also a chance for them, I guess, to get involved in companies in a little more deeper way that at the moment they have a more like high macro perspective. Um, and so we, yeah, we get them involved as much as we can. Obviously both of them are very, very busy. So it's, it's sort of depends on their schedules. Um, but it could be having calls with companies, advising companies. Um, we use that in terms of our investment decisions, we would always run anything past them, any companies we think that are interesting. Um, we get their perspectives on, they just have this amazing kind of view of the whole, whole landscape. Um, They also bring this interesting, uh, so Lynn and Preston are both, well, actually, all three of them are engineers. Preston is an aerospace engineer. Lynn is an electrical engineer. Pablo is a software engineer. Um, And that's sort of a perspective that our team doesn't have. um, And that just gives them this way of thinking about technical aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, They've all built businesses themselves. um, And so, yeah, just lucky to get to work with them. I learn something every exactly. time I have been in meetings me. where it's like me and Jeff and Lynn Preston, and I'm just like, I have nothing to add to this conversation, but I just get to listen <laughs> to it, and this is amazing.
0: <laughs> that's when you know you're in the right place, where you surround yourself by um, people that, are just, that you feel that are smarter uh, than you. That's how you can learn. That's how you can develop and grow, right? That's... Uh, it's a very important part of all of our job i think is to bring people in and surround yourself with people that uh, i mean that are better than you in in different fields that's how you achieve milestones and how you how you grow right and yeah. that's really something as well like that's also something i learned from working with you guys is that network is really it's one of the most important if not the most important thing i mean there are a lot of great ideas out there and then, but but most of them don't make it. So first, you have an idea, and then you need to really focus on execution. Only yeah. these entrepreneurs that can take an idea and execute it to where it is a commercialized business. Um, then, then from there, you need to have a vision and and, and attract uh, great people. Surround yourself with great people that help you uh, work it out. But then, to to make it really big and to really create a brand that lasts, it it's super important um, to, to have a great network um, because you know it's it's more about who you know than what you know. Uh, this is uh, something that I think you guys are are doing amazingly well. Also, Swan Swan Bitcoin in the U.S. through where also Lynn Alden is is involved are doing amazingly well, and you just see that. Um, This is how you you build a differentiator and no one can uh, copy. Because uh, even if you don't have the absolute best product, if you just have the best people vouching for your project, then your brand just becomes so massive and these people are only here once. So if you have the, let's say, 10 most influential people in your industry and in your geography, vouching for you as kind of as an advisor, they won't do it for another company. And these people are only here once. So something that you cannot copy, something I learned from from, from you guys.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely think that's true. I would say like it is about who you know, but also it's about it's not just about who you know. Um, And I think founders that we work with as well, we can help them um, taking that next step from an idea, early traction, to kind of crossing the chasm if I want to use that term or like to really build something scalable because that's really challenging and a lot of entrepreneurs don't so you might get to seed but then very few companies get from seed to series A Um, and that's where I think you know Jeff's experience for instance having scaled so many companies really helps Um, and then I think the other thing about having this diverse group like with each of we recognize that we don't like Nico and myself and Jeff we don't have all the answers like we don't know everything and so the if we have this broader group of really brilliant people involved it just it's like you have this amazing synergy this it's like i hate to use this but like one plus one equals three um so everyone Mm -hmm. brings something else something everyone brings a network or an idea or a different perspective um and being able to like leverage that is incredibly valuable
0: absolutely so having looked at all these hundreds of companies what is what excites you most currently in the Bitcoin, let's say, venture field, Bitcoin and Lightning venture industry?
1: I mean, it's a bit tangential, but Nostr, I'm really excited about right now. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar. It's kind of a new protocol for the decentralized transfer of information. Um, it's not specifically Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin adjacent, I would say, except that it's beca- it's very, very... It's Mm -hmm. so uh, just to step back, it's like this potentially this new internet where you could literally build anything on top of it. And instead of the data sitting in a single person, server, anyone can access it. So it's this incredible open information network. Um, And, but what's cool about it is it has lightning integrated. So a lot of the clients, um, so you can build all of these applications on top of it. The early applications that are being built are effectively like a Twitter. Um, but anyone can build a client, access the data. So you have this huge range, like this explosion of activity happening there. Um, and rather than on Twitter, where I can only like your post in um, Nosta, it integrates Zaps. It's called. So I can just send anyone like a few zaps. Um, so if I put a post on Nosta, then people's like zap me with. So I get like money, real money, from posting. And so it's this incredible value for value ecosystem that's being created. It really increases the velocity of money um it's so exciting so that's like i guess what i have been really focused on the last few weeks um i just put an article out it's on our website under the blog section um about noster if Mm -hmm. anyone's interested or Mm -hmm. on my twitter as well um i'll be putting out more because the space is just moving so quickly that already there's some things in there that um i've already like kind of adjusted my thinking on and new ideas um but i encourage everyone to sort of um, get involved um, it's it's really exciting and then in Lightning in general think like Bitcoin it's just the ecosystem is becoming so integrated globally lightning is really getting to the point where it's usable um, the technology is getting there for you know remittances for international payments for lightning for point-of-sale for really easy integrations um, there's just so much momentum uh, it's really exciting
0: Yeah, must be so fascinating to talk, but also a bit stressful, no? I mean, don't you, you talk to so many founders and you see all these things that are going on and don't you think that, oh, I need to, read about this, learn more about this, talk to more people that are building on this, uh, putting more content out as well, because you're writing about a lot of this stuff as well. And then you, very soon you fill up your 24-7 schedule and you don't have time to sleep anymore, right? And then also you're missing out on a lot of deals, maybe. Uh, and so it, and you, you have FOMO and stuff like that. Isn't it super stressful, <laughs> your, your job?
1: um i think it could be very stressful and there are things like what keeps me up at night actually is like thinking about all the companies we've invested in and like how they're going and issues they're having so i think that's actually the most thing that keeps me up at night which i'm trying to like not stress about so much um i think to your point myself i'm so like i care so much about our companies that um i feel like that's what i kind of take on um and yes completely like I feel like I need to be at the the forefront of everything that's going on and understand everything and that can be stressful. So, I mean, my approach really is, um, to do the best that I can do. And as long as I feel like I've done my best, um, that's what matters. So just feeling like in every situation, um, I'm kind of doing my best and I'm, Mm. I think I've had a very perfectionist kind of part of myself in the past. And I'm trying to release that. Uh, and <laughs> just kind of, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. We're never going to be in every deal. Uh, I think we are in a lot that we want everyone we want to be in, but you know, we'll make mistakes. Um, we'll say no to deals. We should have said yes to in hindsight. Um, so what we do internally is we put systems in place and that's what helps us. With, so we have systems for decision-making. We have systems for reviewing past decisions, um, for looking at maybe companies we said no to or that end up being successful. Why did we say no? Adjusting our thinking on those. um, If, you know, we haven't it's still early, but companies that we said yes to that maybe don't go so well, like, so we're really putting the systems in place and that, and then constantly adjusting those systems. And that's what I learned from Goldman was around investment. um, You have a system in place. You have a memo, which has all of these different items. So it forces you to think in a certain way and you design the memo to make sure that it's like, you're making the best possible decision. You have a diligence checklist, you have all of these things. Um, And so once you have those systems in place and then everything becomes a bit less stressful
0: because you're sort of like like, rely, it's not just- Systemize. Yeah. 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 Systemize and then you can automate, standardize um, and scale things better. Uh absolutely yeah wow i've learned so much so last last question that i always uh ask the people that are in so you're investing in bitcoin companies i would assume you're probably also investing on the uh, like privately in bitcoin so Mm -hmm. what is the percentage amount that you own um in bitcoin of your total wealth
1: oh i'm not gonna say that publicly um it's a very high (laughs) proportion though
0: Okay. And it's probably
1: becoming higher now. I think my conviction around Bitcoin is only increasing the more I see what's going on in the world and in Bitcoin, Um, especially things around the banking crisis that in the US and also obviously, you know, in Europe, just the whole thing is so unsustainable. Um, It has to break at some point. The timing on that i don't know but also i look at the adoption um adoption is hard to get metrics for in bitcoin but i see every week a new a new conference popping up a new meetup popping up around the world people coming out of the woodwork that are very very you know very interesting people from very very successful and traditional companies that become bitcoiners so i'm really just seeing so much or that are Bitcoiners and suddenly we were like, wow, this is crazy that this person is a Bitcoiner. Um, And they might not say publicly, but you know, behind the scenes they are. So I think my conviction is just has only increased um, since I've gotten into the ecosystem. Um, And I always look to challenge my views. I always look for the counterfactual. Um, But yeah, so so my, my allocation to Bitcoin will be increasing. Also, we're young, right? Like at our age, you can have a higher, like bet on Bitcoin. And if it goes down, like I, if I wanted to, if it goes down, it goes down, we can rebuild. So I think we have the Mm -hmm. ability at our age to be much more, much take much riskier bets. And I really think about it as being kind of five to 10 year investment. It could go down a lot again. Um, I'm very realistic on that. Um, but if I think about it in a five to 10 year framework, there's no other investment um, personally, um, and I could be totally wrong. This is not investment advice, but from you know the way I see the world is is it's the surest bet over sort of a five to ten year period.
0: Spot on. It's exactly how I see it, and that's I think a very good moment to stop. Even though already now, like every <laughs> statement you make, I have like three more questions. But maybe maybe we could take this to a, a second conversation. Thank you so much, Andy, uh, for taking the time, and have a great rest of your day rest of your um curing from the chat uh, lag and talk to you i think next week
1: thanks so much for having me on the podcast it was great see you later cheers, cheers.